welcome to episode 596 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And Richard, I almost messed up that intro because I looked away. It's the same intro that we've had for years. I'm I know. Still almost messed up. I still have to look at it. And you saw what happened the last time I didn't look at it. I had to add lib and right. ended up changing it. That's all right. Well, we're back after a week off. It was my fault. Uh, life has been kind of crazy, um, but we're back this week and we've got a pretty packed show. And maybe if you're like Richard and tend to fall asleep during the gaming section, you'll be happy to know <laughs> we only have one gaming story this week. So d- despite it being a packed show, we also have a piece of a listener feedback and it's a really good question. In fact, it's a question that I might be like an excellent question because it will peak our, our joy at nerding out on things, but also gives a distinct possibility of a Richard rant. Hmm. So how about you wanna, that? You want to read this email? Absolutely. So this is from Jules. Jules says, hi, Josh and Richard. I'm a long time listener from the early shows with the other guy that went off to install cable systems or something like that. <laughs> Anyways, I've been waiting for years to sort out my system. I flirted with Cody, ended up with Plex, but still nothing that was quite like my media center system. I now need to get rid of all my old media center remotes and get a proper universal remote. I only need to control my 82-inch Samsung TV, 82-inch Samsung TV, Ankyo receiver, and NVIDIA Shield, and my smart lights. Be a good mix of Hue and Zigbee switches and smart things and Google Home. You guys are always swearing by your Harmony remote. What model is it that you love? I know they have stopped production of them, but I'm happy to buy from eBay. Or should I look at the new Sofa Baton? X1, is it? Cheers. (laughs) So um, I had a knee-jerk reaction to this when I read the last sentence. What would your knee-jerk reaction to that last sentence be, Josh? Uh, my knee-jerk reaction to the last sentence is, dear God, no, don't buy the Sofa Baton X1. <laughs> it's $150 now on Amazon, and it's not worth $50. Like, you're just going to be frustrated if you buy the Sofa Baton X1. So don't do that. Yeah, but we do like the old Logitech Harmony remotes. And we each have... I think a couple different ones we've used over the years. I don't, I, what are you using most recently? I, I've still only ever used one Harmony remote. And I think it's called the Logitech Harmony Companion Hub or something like that. Okay. So is this the version that has the keys for your smart home stuff? Mine does not have the smart home keys. Okay. So you're talking about the Logitech. Tech Harmony Smart Control, which <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know how you have this memorized. I know. I don't. I had to look it up. 
I had to figure out which is the one that I use the most. And that was the Logitech Harmony Smart Control. But if he's looking for control of his smart lights, not just associated with an activity or a scene, but also to be able to control them individually, he might want that companion because the companion has the ability to assign devices that the Harmony can control. And that does include Hue. So you'll be in good shape there. And depending on what you're using for your Zigbee, I think SmartThings is one of the systems that it can control. Yep, sure does. So uh, you can assign control of some of those devices to specific buttons on the remote, which is nice if that's useful to you. Otherwise, you can use the remote that Josh has, the Logitech Harmony Smart Control. It's way cheaper, too, if you can find it. When we bought it, I think they retailed for $99 with a hub or just $30 for the remote itself. Now, I don't know what they go for now. It's probably much more expensive if they're hard to find. Yeah, which they are. <laughs> <laughs> but you might be able to get a good secondhand one. And people may be getting rid of these since Logitech isn't supporting them anymore. Maybe. So if he can't get uh, one of these harmonies, do you have any other recommendations? Well, the first thing that I would think about is even the TV zone remote. I mean, with the control that you have through HDMI CEC these days, a lot of system remotes are surprisingly good. My Samsung remote does a really good job of controlling my Google TV plug um, uh, dongle. So that may be a way that he could go. I think that that would definitely work for controlling the NVIDIA Shield. My concern is the receiver that he's got hooked up to the TV. Yeah. Which made me think, maybe just use the receiver's remote control. Again, if that has good CEC control built in. So either one of those, if you can't, you know, if you can stand those remotes, like that might be the other thing that you have to consider. Now, there, there is something that I will recommend here. When you buy a TV from Samsung, it comes with either one, it comes with one of either uh, two different remotes. You either got a remote that had way too many buttons on it, or you got a very streamlined remote that had way too few. I have become a fan of the way too few button Samsung TV remote. And there are multiple Chinese manufacturers selling stuff on eBay from whom you can buy a knockoff of that remote. And I've bought them. I bought two of them to try them out with the TVs that I have at the beach because I wanted a more simple remote to be able to control stuff. And they work great with the Samsung TV and because they're just sending the same signals to the TV that the Samsung's own remote would. If you have CEC on, it also controls the connected stuff. So that may be something to consider if you go the Samsung remote route and if you find out that it too can control your receiver. 
Yeah, which is the big if. The big if. But that really all depends on how good is that CEC control. And sometimes even Samsung TVs allow you to do sort of, you know, pass through stuff as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the big, the biggest thing that I would want to know about their particular hardware here is how old is the Samsung TV and the Ankyo receiver? Yeah. I mean, if it's a really old 82 inch Samsung TV, then, um, that that was chances a chunk aren't great change and it isn't <laughs> going to be anywhere near as capable as current 82 inch Samsung TVs. Right. Right. But give those a try. You're, you're going to lose out on the ability to control your smart devices and you're not going to be able to turn. Well, you might be able to turn everything on with one button. If CEC is, is working out for you. Um, and since you've only got one device, the NVIDIA Shield plugged into this thing, you don't need any of the other capabilities of the universal remote because you're not changing inputs on your TV or your receiver or anything like that. So you might luck out in, in just using your TV or your receiver's remote. If you had any other additional devices hooked up to this TV, though, then, I mean, it could still work, but it might be a little bit more of a pain. Yep. Hey, Especially if you've got them run through your receiver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That does add complications. Yeah. So, um, fun fact, I have probably used nearly every Logitech Harmony remote that they ever <laughs> created at one point in time. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> That's insane. And it doesn't surprise me at all. Wow. All right. Well, Jules, thank you for writing into us. If you'd like to send us some feedback with your questions or any sort of feedback, you can do that. Our email address is entertainment20 at the digital media zone.com. And with that, let's jump into this week's news. And the the first story up hits especially close to home for longtime fans of this show. And that is that Amazon is discontinuing the Fire TV recast. Richard, what's the Fire TV recast? For those who don't remember what the heck this thing is. Right, that was their over-the-air DVR solution. So you may remember back in 2018, they came out with this rather hefty box. Not quite sure what all was in there, but... A, a large size box that was going to be a streaming add-on to your Fire TV. And they created a fairly good experience for browsing, accessing, and watching live TV right in the Fire TV environment. It was all built on this over-the-air DVR with two different versions that had multiple tuners and different amounts of storage available. And apparently they're just throwing in the towel. Yeah, it's uh, it's going away for sure. There were people that were suspecting it was going away because the 500 gigabyte model 
is no longer available from Amazon. The one terabyte model isn't even available at lots of places. And then eventually Amazon did officially confirm with a statement that reads, we are constantly evaluating our product and service offerings to best serve the evolving needs of our customers. Many of the features offered by the recast are now available through other apps on Fire TV. And we are focusing our efforts and resources on other Fire TV devices and services that provide great value to our customers. Hmm. It's interesting that they call out other apps because I am not aware of many apps on available through Fire TV other than YouTube TV that would actually make your local TV channels available to you without additional hardware. So I'm not quite sure what that means. It it tells me that they just don't think there's much of a future in over-the-air TV. And as much as I hate to say it... They're probably right. They're probably right. <laughs> like, I I try to think about the normal people that I know in my life and how they're consuming media. And I... I know very few people that are doing over-the-air TV at this point. And those, I, 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 would, I would bet that there's a higher percentage of, of those who are using over-the-air TV. It's probably more of, the, uh, more of the older, less technically inclined generation. Hmm. That they just have the, the antenna plugged into the back of their TV. As opposed to, say, supplementing their streaming content with over-the-air through something like an HD home run or something. Right, right. Yeah, where they, they might still be doing over-the-top streaming like Netflix and things like that, but it's probably just apps on their TV or maybe they've got a Roku or something like that. But that, for the most part, if they're doing live TV over the air, it's probably just plugged right into the TV. Like th this is definitely more of a, a niche product, which is why we've talked about it because right. this is our niche. But it it seems like an ever shrinking group of people, except for one really important thing. We're about to get a I mean, we kind of already have a brand new version of the over-the-air TV standard. It's called ATSC 3.0. We've talked about it in the past a few times. It's not everywhere, but it continues to expand across the United States. And it's a new version of over-the-air TV that includes a lot of capabilities that might eventually get used, but maybe most importantly, supports 4K and HDR content. And the recast doesn't support ATSC3. So if you want to be especially optimistic, you could think, oh, well, they're killing this to replace it with an ATSC 3.0 version to support 4K TV. But reading their statement about this makes me think, no, this thing is just dead. They're done with over-the-air TV. Yeah, I don't get the impression from this statement that there's a future for this. This statement with the replacement of a couple of proper nouns very well could have been used to describe the camera that they thought was a great idea to take your picture in your dressing area. 
Well, you at least have to give them credit for trying things. Sure. Right? Yep. <laughs> and I'm glad they constantly evaluate their products. Yeah, for sure. So uh, so you think this is dead for good? No ATSC 3.0 version I, coming? I do. I, I don't think we're going to see any more of this. Now, that doesn't mean that there might not be some additional ways that Amazon incorporates live TV in their Fire TV environment. I'd like to see more integration of other maybe streaming live TV services into their guide, into their live TV experience. This is something I've been railing about on Apple TV. I love this aspect of Google TV. Of course, with Google TV, it really only works with YouTube TV and I think Pluto. So, yay, I can watch this old house videos all day long or my YouTube TV channels. Nonetheless, I, I do like the idea of having this linear access directly integrated into Fire TV. And I hope they open that to other providers. Yeah. And there are, so there are still options. Like if you were just about to buy one of these and now you're wondering what should you buy instead, there are other options. Even if you want to stick with the Fire TV ecosystem, you could get a Silicon Dust HD Home Run Tuner or the Silicon Dust HD Home Run Scribe is their all-in-one DVR, over-the-air DVR box. And they even have a 4K version of that now that supports ATSC 3.0 tuners. It's backwards compatible with, with ATSC 1.0 tuners also. And they have, and by they, I mean HD Home Run has an app on Fire TV devices and don't, just about everything else. Don't use so, that, though. Seriously, <laughs> no, don't you? I mean, I would only, I, I, I really don't like that app. I never have. They continue to try to improve it. I still don't like it. It's an app that was clearly built with nobody with any training in user experience. I would strongly recommend that if you're considering this, then either you should be or you should consider being a user of Plex and integrate that with Plex or integrate it with, is it um, channels? Yeah, channels, channels DVR. And channels DVR is the DVR service you and I were using. Are you still using it or not? Mm, I would be if I had all of my antenna stuff hooked up right now. Okay. But I don't even have it all hooked up right now. Yeah. Okay. I, I will need to because football season's coming up. So I guess I need to, I guess that's my reminder to get my network situated so that I can do that. Well, and so that's a really good point. Both of those require that you do run some sort of software somewhere on your network 24 hours a day, but it's worth it. I honestly believe it's worth even if that's the only thing you're going to get out of it. The channel's DVR software is great. It was a very well it is a very well done experience. I don't still use it because I have YouTube TV now, but it worked in my household. My partner kind of anti-technology. So the fact that it was easy to use and we could use it remotely I can't really recommend it enough. I think that's the best way to use an HD home run. Agreed. There, 
there are a lot of caveats there though. So it does require you to have a computer or a NAS or something like that that is capable of running Plex or Channels DVR 24-7. You've got to have that storage device for it. Uh, And then these options both have ongoing subscriptions. Channels DVR is $8 a month or $80 a year. Uh, And Plex, uh, I'd have to look up. Plex has uh, an unlimited subscription that's $150 lifetime. And um, I I don't have it quickly, but, uh, but Plex Pass is also uh, required for doing the DVR stuff on Plex also. So they're not completely free, but they, they are pr- pretty great solutions overall. I mean, you know, I'm sorry to keep on hounding on this. I love the HCO, HCO run hardware. They make yes. amazing hardware. And any tuner you get, you get from them is going to be great for you. I just can't recommend the software. Right. There's one other option if you're looking for an all-in-one device, and that's Tableau TV. They they produce a box similar to this uh, that you plug a hard drive into and it works. And they have apps on just about everything. So that those are your main options at this point if you're trying to do an over-the-air DVR. Okay. Well. Let's move on away from that sad news. I'm not sure if this next story is sad news. Let's go to the optimistic <laughs> route. So TiVo is owned by a company called Xperi. And Xperi recently bought a company called Viewed, V-E-W-D. Ugh. And Viewed is a Norwegian company that makes software for televisions like the the software that runs on your TV before you hook anything else up to it, decent chance it's made by this company. And they're now owned by the same company that owns TiVo. And so with that, now TiVo is saying that they're going to be making TVs with TiVo software built into them. And so think like these TCL TVs that have Roku built in or Android TV built in, that sort of thing. It is going to be a TV with a TiVo-powered OS behind it. So think, essentially, probably something similar to a TV that has something like the TiVo Stream 4K interface, except that this viewed OS it's not Android TV or Google TV. It's their own thing. So this would be some version of this viewed platform with extra TiVo-y goodness, I guess, on top of it. But we don't really know what any of this looks like. We don't know who the television manufacturer is that they've partnered with. All we really know is that it is a major tier two television provider which I think just means it's not Samsung and that it's a company that actually has multiple brands underneath of it. So I'm struggling to think who that company might be. Wow. I don't know. Wow. Uh, what is the name of the big conglomerate that bought RCA and acoustic mm. research and all that stuff? Like that's the first thing that comes to mind in terms of companies that make TVs 
that might have multiple brands under their umbrella. I see tier two and I'm thinking TCL, you're reaching too high. TCL is the number four television manufacturer in the world, right? right. So I think we're not going to see Samsung, LG, Sony, or TCL. I think we're going to see something like Hisense or others of that ilk, others that are less known in the U.S., but might still have fairly good coverage. Or if it is one of these multi-brand things where really those brands are, at this point, just licenses, they bought the brand, and they're not really those companies anymore. You know, I could see Philips, which doesn't really make its own TVs anymore. It's just a brand and stuff like that, potentially. I don't know. Right. This isn't where you thought you were going to get the Richard rant, is it? Because (laughs) this is a, a likely candidate. I just don't understand what Xperi is doing with the TiVo brand. They are squandering it. TiVo had an opportunity with the stream. They missed. The hardware was underpowered. It didn't deliver on the promise. It eventually got much better, but it still didn't live up to the original promise. And then now they're going to put it on second tier TVs. That's their big play. I I just, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Uh, I mean, it's better than completely dying, I guess. Sure. Sure it is. But frankly, Android, the thing upon which their underpowered stream TV was built, and it could have been better powered, that's not Android's fault. Right. Android is what got you around all the limitations of TiVo's implementation of the stream. Sure. But theoretically, this viewed platform does the same thing. Oh, sure. If it has an app its ecosystem app and all that, sure. Yeah, it does. It it for sure does. I, I went and looked just to make sure. I mean, most of these like not Roku-based TVs and stuff are all just building their software on 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 a platform that supports web-based versions of all of these apps. Mm-hmm. So Netflix and YouTube and Plex and all of these guys offer their apps as web-based apps. And that's how all of the rest of these things work. And I'm pretty certain that's how this viewed platform works too. So they've got an app library that's going to have most things, probably darn near everything that anybody actually cares about. They just need to make it look better and somehow work with TiVo. Like, but imagine one of these TVs that has an over-the-air antenna in it and a hard drive, and it's actually an over-the-air TiVo with all of the apps that you actually want. Like, isn't that actually a really good thing? Couldn't that actually be awesome? In theory, but come on, are you really going to put local storage on a TV nowadays when you could just do stuff in the cloud, that seems like a waste. I mean, cloud DVR, I think, is where it's at. And if TiVo hasn't figured that out, then they deserve to go under. <laughs> okay, fine. It, uh, TiVo with a cloud DVR. Yeah, 
I, potentially. I mean, that's even better. Potentially. If They've got the best DVR software. They do if it's not hobbled by, you know, agreements and licensing and all that sort of stuff. And if they're still not running this business model where they're not making their money from you, the customers, they're making money from people who want to get your eyeballs because that's been the constant struggle with TiVo is that TiVo focused more on appealing to its advertisers than it did to its customers. Yes, but that's basically how all of these other TVs work too, right? Like these TCL TVs are dirt cheap because they're monetizing the crap out of you. Yep, yep, <laughs> true, absolutely, fair point, fair point. So it's no better. I, I don't know. I just, I have, <laughs> I have zero, zero confidence in this. Oh, you were trying to be optimistic. I'm sorry. Be I optimistic. was trying to be optimistic. Like this, this could be your the first TiVo DVR released in like five years. That would be an optimistic thing. That would be a good thing. Sure. Potentially. Yep. Potentially. Okay. So apparently, I'm not winning you over on that. So nope. let's let's move on. So Walmart Plus is to me the service that maybe more people should know about and don't. And never think about like all of us talk about buying everything that we have on Amazon, but Walmart, which is the largest brick and mortar retailer in the U.S., has a competing service called Walmart Plus. It's twelve ninety five a month. It gets you free shipping and all that sort of stuff, and then a bunch of in store stuff because they have stores. See, I don't even know what else it gets you because I don't have it, despite the fact that I have a Walmart. Within five minutes of my house that I've been to once. And, <laughs> but it's there and it, it does look like a, a fairly compelling service, especially if you're getting tired of Amazon and some of the things that go along with Amazon. But one of the things that Amazon Prime also gets you is Amazon Prime video. And Walmart is looking to compete with that with their latest announcement. And that is that they have partnered with. Paramount Plus to offer a streaming subscription service to go along with Walmart Plus. And this is at no extra cost. So they're, they're trying to compete here with Amazon clearly, Prime Video. Clearly. But without having to build their own streaming service and platform, which I think makes a lot of sense. Like totally. that would be really expensive. And trying to arrange all of those licensing deals is a friggin' nightmare. Yeah. So that makes sense. Is Paramount Plus the right partner, though? Well, I mean, it's way better now than it was when it was CBS All Access. It's it's a sure. much more uh, comprehensive library of content from the Paramount and Viacom libraries. So, and or CBS and Viacom libraries. So, I, I think it has actual value now that I might even pay for independently if I had to. I don't. I'm still getting it bundled with my Showtime. But one thing I want to go back and just clarify is that Walmart Plus, you say something like Walmart Plus, and one's first reaction might be, wait a minute, 
Walmart has a streaming service? I thought they divested <laughs> themselves <laughs> of Voodoo, and right. they did. Walmart Plus is not a streaming service. Walmart no. Plus is Walmart Prime. That's what exactly. Walmart Plus is. It is their version of Prime. Free shipping, early access to stuff, free delivery to the store, better prices. It's it's Prime for Walmart. And now it includes video. It it makes sense. Totally. Smart. And if if people are not sure, well, what can I watch on Paramount Plus? Because it's impossible to keep track of all of this stuff. They have the new Halo show. They have the good fight. They have, here's these next two are the, the next, really the next three are the big ones though. All of these Star Trek shows that Richard nerds out over like yep. basically every week, they're all on Paramount Plus. Yep. If you have kids and they like Paw Patrol, because it's the number one kid show right now, it's on Paramount. Uh, also, mm, yeah, the best movie that I've seen this year so far, Top Gun Maverick, coming to Paramount. Yep. So, yeah, it's way better than it used to be when it was Richard's most hated streaming service. <laughs> Maybe that's not as good of a compliment as I intended it to be. <laughs> no, it, it's 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 a service that's definitely worth considering. And to get it for free if you're a Walmart Plus subscriber is is a nice addition. And I don't know, maybe might make some people reconsider uh, getting Walmart Plus. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you already said this. Keep in mind, this is not the ad-free tier. This is right. the tier that includes ads. So you are going to see ads before interstitially during and maybe even after some of the shows ads are going to depend on the show it's going to depend on licensing but it's still really really smart it is it is and i don't know doesn't doesn't a walmart streaming plan with ads just seem kind of on brand <laughs> totally <laughs> Totally. Sorry, Walmart. Yeah. So uh, this is this is coming in September. I, I I will be very curious to see what sort of impact this has on their subs on their subscription numbers on the Walmart Plus subscription numbers. Yep. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, let's talk about another plus that is a streaming service, and that's Disney Plus. We have been waiting, anticipating, expecting that we were going to get price increases. And, oh, Josh, are we getting price increases? Oh, man. And we already knew that ESPN Plus was raising prices pretty dramatically. We talked about that a few episodes ago. Yep. But but now we know about the rest of the services. Yeah, and I forget what we predicted. I think I predicted that Disney Plus was going to go up a buck. It was going to go up a dollar, and they might bring the ad-supported tier that they've been talking about in slightly under that. So maybe down a buck from what you would normally pay now. No, 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 no. You pay $7.99 a month now for Disney+. Plus. It's going to be $7.99 a month with ads. That starts in December, almost exactly three years and one month after launch. 
They launched three years without a price increase is pretty good nowadays. Well, yeah, sure. But remember, I'm still on that three-year plan. Okay, so let's look at this price increase. Let's look at uh, $7.99 is what you would pay starting in December to get ads. That's what you're paying now, just a reminder. Don't want ads? That's going to cost you $3 more. It's going to be $10.99. That is, doing the math in my head very quickly, a 30, 37% increase? That's a big increase on the monthly price. And then the yearly price is going to be roughly $110 a year. That's a huge increase. Like, I'm, I, I'm a Disney stockholder. I love Disney. I love all things Disney. Greed. 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 This is how Disney operates. This is killing me. This is killing me. All right. So, Richard, one could make an argument mm -hmm. that they are not increasing the price anywhere near as much as they could be when inflation is 8.5%. <laughs> I don't. I'm just kidding. That, I don't actually believe that. I agree that the eight and a half percent increase has anything to do with their thirty-six or thirty-seven percent price increase. But also, show me how that impacts this digital service. I'm sure it does in some way. But come on, all right. Hulu also going up. Hulu Premium, the service that doesn't have ads, costs you thirteen dollars now. Roughly, it's going to cost you roughly fifteen dollars, fourteen ninety-nine. Hulu Basic, the service that doesn't have ads, is going to cost you $8. It currently costs you $7. So it's a $1 or $2 increase, depending on which service you have. That goes into effect in October. And then, of course, we know about the ESPN Plus increase from $7 to $10. That starts this month in yeah. a week, something like that. Yep. August 23rd. So what do you do? You bundle because Disney is still, I think, making good on its bundles. I think they have good pricing on the different bundles that they're offering. Currently, I am paying, I think, $17.99. Well, I, I'm not, but I will be when my three-year thing ends up uh, ends. I would be paying $17.99. For my Disney, which doesn't have ads now, for Hulu without ads and ESPN Plus, that same selection of services with no ads on Disney is going to go up to $20 a month. You're getting three things. $20 a month? I don't think that's bad. Not when you compare it to Netflix at $20 a month. Right, because this includes 4K content on Disney. Right. So, yeah. No, I, I I think this is pretty good. There's going to be a bundle where you can get all three services with ads. Remember, ESPN Plus, there isn't an ad-free version. You're going to get ads. Yeah. But you can get the with ads version of Disney Plus. They shouldn't call it Plus if it's – anyway. And you can <laughs> get the <laughs> with ads version of Hulu. And add ESPN Plus into that, and you can pay $13 a month. Again, it still seems like a pretty good deal. Maybe they should call it Disney Plus Essential. Like, 
Like Paramount Plus. Oh, new naming consistency across the different. Yeah, I don't know. And then they're going to even have an even cheaper version of that, a $10 a month plan that's just Disney Plus and Hulu with ads. Those bundles are all going to start on December 8th. Bundle, just bundle, because Disney from the beginning has made the bundle the deal. And if you're interested in these services, you're going to end up saving money. Yeah. So in one sort of weird way, you were right. It goes up by a dollar for people like me who have had the bundle. The bundle goes up by a dollar. How? Existing subscribers go from paying $14 a month to $15 a month on the bundle. If you have have Hulu Hulu with ads, ads. but Disney without ads, because Disney doesn't have ads now, right? Yep. It's a buck. (laughs) Pay the buck. So, yeah, there you go. I'm only paying a dollar more. Yeah. And I have to imagine that that is the largest group of people, right? Like, if you have Disney Plus, why aren't you paying for the bundle right now? Well, so... Some numbers came out, and it's not as – I don't think it is the biggest number of users. If I remember the numbers correctly, I think they said they have roughly 150 million subscribers to Disney+. Plus. Also, by the way, seriously, way to go. You're three (laughs) years old. Right. Netflix has like 220,000 or, or 220 million or something like that. Yep. And if you combine all of the services individually, the unique users that Disney has just ekes above Netflix a tiny little bit. So I'm not convinced that everybody is bundling. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that what I just said doesn't necessarily imply bundling or not, but I, I'm, I'm just not convinced that everybody is. And so I, I think it is the best deal. I think a lot of people don't understand the value that they get with Hulu. There's a lot of good content on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and ESPN plus, like if you're interested in sports at all, ESPN plus has got a lot of good stuff on there. And if you're totally. a hockey fan, you should definitely have ESPN Plus because it includes basically every NHL game except for the nationally televised ones. So that's hundreds of NHL games that are just included for free. And remind me, I think I used to know this at one point. Doesn't this also have the library of historic college football games? Historical, <sighs> sorry. It does. I know it has some of that stuff. And then, of course, also has like all of their 30 for 30 documentaries and stuff like that. But I'm not sure how much historical content it has. Yeah. As I'm saying that, I might have been right the first time. It may only be historic, not the entire historical library. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if that was all way too many numbers to get through a podcast, uh, you head on over to the digitalmediazone.com. Go to the show notes. We've got links to all of this stuff so that you can see it written down because that's a whole lot of numbers to just listen to. All right, let's jump into a quick audio story. Very quick. 
Uh, Samsung had their huge event recently to announce all of their new phones and watches and earbuds. And their earbuds look particularly interesting. Uh, They are the Samsung Galaxy Buds 2 Pro. And, you know, these are their highest end earbuds. They would compare to the AirPods Pro. The the new ones have 24-bit audio and 3D spatial audio. So very high quality audio and the 3D spatial audio type stuff that you get out of AirPods Pro also. That sounds great. Go out and buy them, right? Well, maybe not because Samsung is doing the traditional Samsung thing, which is the traditional Apple thing, and making this more proprietary because it looks like, at least initially, both of those sets of technology, the the 3D audio and the 24-bit audio, will only work with recent Samsung devices. Mm. So if you're also buying a brand new Samsung phone and or tablet, then it'll play great with those. There is hope, though, because they are saying that they are Bluetooth LE audio ready. (laughs) Oh, man, that brings back uh, some memories of, of so many consumer electronic devices saying that they're ready for things that are coming eventually. So. Bluetooth audio LE, if you want to hear me nerd out on what's so great about Bluetooth LE audio, go back and listen to episode 592. But it is uh, a new version of Bluetooth that provides access to or support, I guess, for a new audio codec, the LC3 codec, that can also provide really high quality audio or better battery life depending on how it's implemented. And these are supposedly going to support Bluetooth LE audio later this year. And Android 13 supports Bluetooth LE audio, which is out now on some devices as of this week. So that's promising, but I'm maybe not going to get my hopes up too quickly because it is still Samsung after all, and they like to play that proprietary game. So who knows how long that's going to take. But if you're already in the Samsung ecosystem, these sound like the earbuds to get. They've got active noise cancellation in addition to the things that we already talked about. The battery life is decent. uh, Five hours uh, on a charge. If you've got active noise canceling enabled, 18 hours of total uh, battery life with the charging case. If you turn off ANC, you get eight hours on a single charge or a total of 29 hours of battery life. And the price, not awful. I think these are still less than AirPods Pro, which I think are 250 The Samsung Galaxy Buds 2 Pro available August 26th for $229. Nice. I'm not surprised that the spatial audio and stuff like that is limited to their platform. I think. You probably have to do some pretty crazy stuff to deal like with gyroscopes and stuff to be able Mm. to get that right. And that's not necessarily something you can just do with any third party headset. So, yeah, the spatial audio, I'm fine with that being somewhat proprietary. It's the 
them coming up with their own codec for the 24-bit audio that annoys me. Like, just use Bluetooth LE audio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Please. Like, Samsung, stop trying to do everything entirely on your own. Like, smart things and so many other things. But they've made their money by copying Apple, and that's what Apple does. Yep. So I, I understand it. All right. One interesting potentially very interesting gaming story. So Xbox officially announced that they are trying something out for Xbox insiders, specifically in Colombia and Ireland. I have no idea why it's these two countries, but if you're in either of those two countries, thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0, because we probably don't actually have that many listeners in Colombia or Ireland, but we we are grateful that you listen. Totally. But also... You can now sign up for, uh, as an Xbox insider, a new version of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. And they haven't given it a name, but the industry is just calling it the Xbox Game Pass Family Plan because it will allow you to add four additional Xbox accounts. So for a total of five accounts sharing one big Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription. So that's Game Pass on an Xbox, on a PC, plus the cloud streaming, plus Xbox Live Gold benefits, all of that stuff across five accounts for one subscription fee. We don't know what it costs. That's, of course, the biggest question, but you have to imagine it's going to cost less than the equivalent of five Game Pass Ultimate subscriptions. How much less, though? We don't know. Also, you would expect especially since this is Microsoft we're talking about to really like put the hammer down on the restrictions. Like it's gotta be people in your family or people in your household or whatever. And they're not doing that right now. Right now, the limitations is just, it's gotta be people within the same country. And if it stays that way, then you could just get groups of five people banding together to share a game pass ultimate subscription, which sounds awesome. and completely contrary to like what Netflix and you know those types of services have been doing trying to cut down on people sharing subscriptions but but doing this by charging them more to share so the the pricing is is the interesting part like is it worth twice the cost of a game pass ultimate subscription three times the cost i'm not sure but the only little shred of data that we have to go off of is they do have this weird conversion thing that if you are an existing Game Pass Ultimate subscriber and you switch to this plan, then your existing subscription will be valued. They will change how long it's good for to make it for every month of your active subscription you have remaining, you actually get 18 days. So. I'm not a math whiz, especially in the evening, but that uh, my back of the napkin math <laughs> made it sound like maybe this is a $21 a month subscription up from the regular $15 a month subscription. And that becomes a friggin' no brainer. Like that's less than twice the cost of a way less than twice the, the cost of, of two subscriptions. So uh, like, that's almost such a discount that it feels like it might actually hurt them 
at the number of people who would start banding together to share Game Pass Ultimate Family Plans. Yeah. Do you think there's any sort of limitation on this in terms of active users or anything like that? I noticed that you said it could be five accounts, but you know, I I could have, for example, my Netflix account on 20 different devices, but I can only have four of them playing at any one time. Right. That's, that's a really good question. You, you would think that they would at least have a, a couple that would allow them to play at the same time because that's such an important part of video gaming is multiplayer gaming. Oh, and- sure. But that's, I think, where they potentially make their money, right? Like, if you're a, like, the the way that you prevent people banding together with their game buddies <laughs> is that you make it so that you can't play together. Right. Yeah, that would absolutely work. It's just crappy because you also potentially limit, like, what if I want to play Xbox with the other three people in my family. And yeah, that seems like I should be allowed to do that. I wonder how common that is though. I mean, clearly given how data driven Microsoft is, yeah, they have telemetry on that. And for sure, I, I would, I would expect that they're going to do something to make this so that, you know, you can't just get together with your gaming buddies and say, oh, well, I'll just share a account and play it again. I just, I can't imagine that's how this is actually going to get rolled out if this expands beyond this test that they're doing right now. Right, right. Because there will be a subreddit devoted to getting people to grouped up together. Totally. Right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I can see an app coming out for this one. <laughs> right, right. And you're right. They they have the data and they are very data driven. And I am sure that there are many households that have two people gaming together yep. and some that have three, but probably not many that are more than three. So my bet is that you can have two people playing simultaneously on an account or on, on this uh, game pass plan. Yeah. But we'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, and if they even bring it yeah, fair to point. more countries, fair probably. Point. And, you know, and if not. they even keep it going. I mean, I get the feeling from what I saw that this is, yeah, announced, but this could just very well be they're trying something out. I mean, come on. This is the softest of soft launches that you can right. do, right? Yeah. We're going to take in two Ireland countries that are Columbia. in completely different continents, <laughs> and we're going to do them first to see how this goes. I mean, it's it's bizarre. Yeah, for sure. I, I was very surprised. I mean, there were rumors of this months and months and months ago, and I didn't put it on the show because I thought, there's no way this is happening. But if it does, that'd be pretty awesome, depending on the limitations and the cost. So yep. we will wait and see what Microsoft has in store for a future Xbox Game Pass Ultimate family plan. That's it for our news this week, Richard. Let's get into what's going on in our entertainment centers. A lot of stuff. I don't know if you've been keeping count, but it's been three weeks since I talked about this because I missed Mm. an episode other than the one that we both missed last week. So, quick update. For All Mankind, Season 3 has ended. 
and I've been keeping up to date, and it was awesome. This season was so good. I love For All Mankind. I think this is uh, – watch this. Watch it, watch it, watch it. I'm really frustrated that I missed season two and waited as long as I did to watch it. Season three, even better. Definitely watch it. I am now in the process of catching up on Westworld season four. Confusing as anything, but a lot of good callbacks to first season. And I'm enjoying that quite a bit. So uh, that is fun too. I am, I think the season is either ending soon or just ended. I'm about halfway through. Bob Newhart show. I still continue to watch episodes of that periodically. I'm now in season two. Of course, I'm keeping up with Big Brother. What we do in the shadows is back. And man, we love this show. This is the comedy about a bunch of vampires written by Taika Waititi. It is just so good. They're on season four and we are up to date on that. We have watched a little bit more of last week tonight. And when we really don't know what to watch and we're tired of watching HGTV, we might watch an occasional home series on one of the given streaming networks or streaming services. And we were in the process of watching episodes of The World's Most Incredible Homes on Netflix, labeled as a Netflix exclusive. It ain't there anymore. They They don't have this show available anymore because actually, like many of their Netflix exclusives, it's only really a Netflix exclusive because they exclusively licensed it from someone for the time that they had it. And that license is up. So this Netflix exclusive is no longer (laughs) available anywhere in the U.S. right now, as far as I can tell. Oh my gosh, it's not anywhere? Nope. Wow. Can't watch it. That sucks. Licensing. There's going to be a descriptor in front of licensing, but I squelched it. All right. So (laughs) we watched a movie. We um, noticed that the latest Minions movie was available to rent. And uh, as a result of that, we were able to watch Minions The Rise of Gru. It was okay. It was entertaining. It is another story about the Minions and Gru. And if you like those, you'll enjoy this. It was nowhere near as good as the first two. uh, Despicable Me? Despicable. I was was trying to get Despicable. My mind had Impeccable. And I'm like, no, it's definitely not Impeccable Me. It might be Impeccable Me. Yeah, no. And... uh, also, today, I went into a store, and I what? bought a disc that was released wow. today for Jurassic World Dominion. Now, I know this movie has not been widely liked, <laughs> but the trailers look good, and we are fans, and I even enjoy the otherwise largely horrible Jurassic Park 3. So, how can I not like this, right? And it's going to look amazing on UHD Blu-ray. It totally is. So I'm very excited to have this. And we will probably watch this before the week is up. And then finally, I wanted to mention the latest audiobook that I am reading. 
I keep on saying that with a question mark. And that is a novel called The Second Girl by David Swinson. David Swinson is actually someone that I know. I sold a car to David once. Um, <laughs> David is a former police officer who is now retired, and he writes novels, crime novels. And this is the first time I've had an opportunity to read one of his books, and I'm really enjoying it. This is the first of a three-book series that feature the same character. So uh, it was uh, kind of like my that, entry That can't point. be right. That can't be right. Wouldn't, wouldn't the first book be called The First Girl? Yeah, you would think that, right? But no, I was a little, it's funny you say that because when I saw the title of this one, before I clicked put in cart, I'm like, wait a minute, are we sure that that's the first one? Yeah. It was the first one in the series anyway. I don't believe it's yeah. his first book, but it's, uh, it's based in DC. If you live in the DC area, you will greatly appreciate it because he has all kinds of calls to places and things that you would recognize. And with his history of being an officer or, or, or being on the force, as long as he had been, then uh, he has insight into kind of the psyche of a lot of people. It's really good. That's cool. That's Very it for me. Cool. How about you, Josh? I actually have a fair amount of stuff too. And it's not just the same old stuff over and over again. There is still a little bit of that. I, I did play NHL some, of course. Of course. And I went back to Forza Horizon 5, but because of the new expansion, the Hot Wheels expansion, and there was a Hot Wheels expansion for Forza Horizon 3, I think it was 3, and it was really fun. And so far, this has been really fun, too. I've only played it like an hour or so so far. Um, it's one of those games that I only play when I'm playing with that certain subset of friends, so not very far yet. So, uh, But enjoying that. What does this mean? Are you playing on like orange tracks or what? Like, yes. Really? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's Forza Horizon 3, which takes place in Mexico. Now it's not like actual Mexico. They just have a lot of Mexican, you know, landscapes that look like they would be in Mexico. Um, and then there's a part of the world that just has the crazy orange plastic tracks all over the place. Uh, and you're doing loop-de-loops and they have some of the Hot Wheels cars. It's fun. That's it's awesome. Really fun. Yeah, it's super cool. So some of that also uh, had a night where no one else was online playing anything. So I was looking for a single player game to play and I decided to finally start playing Life is Strange True Colors. I think this is the only Life is Strange game that I hadn't played yet. And it's the most recent one and it's on Game Pass. So uh started checking that out. I'm... A couple hours in, maybe two and a half hours in, the the special ability feels um, very close to home. <laughs> the person has the extreme superpower of empathy. They can feel and like more than just feel other people's emotions, but like, I don't know, like actually be impacted by the same emotions and, and all of that. And it's an interesting special power. The story is just okay so far. Hmm. Um, and, and the story is the thing that I generally love about Life right. is Strange. So I'm going to stick with it and see how it goes. Uh, and, and there's definitely been emotional stuff 
that, that you know, tries to get the, the tears flowing and stuff like that. We'll see. But the technology has really come a long ways. Uh, the, the facial animations are really good. You know, when you're really trying to evoke emotions uh, from people, that that's all about facial expressions and stuff. And they do it really well here. The sound design is also really good. Uh, just from from random things like the character finds a guitar and so she picks up the guitar and she's playing it and and the guitar sounds really good but even things like when she goes to put the guitar away she kind of drops it just a little bit and so it makes the sound that a, that an acoustic guitar makes when you drop a guitar so i'm i'm appreciating the sound design too uh and and i'll stick with it so that's that's it on on the gaming side i told you last time that i was going to watch a classic movie and a new movie. Yep. The new movie was not what I had planned to watch, but I still got to watch a new movie. Um, the classic one was fully planned. I had never seen Jaws ever. And I don't know why we got it. They got the idea to watch Jaws, but Jen was really excited about wanting to watch it. And the girls were going to be away for an evening with the grandparents. Oh, so we decided let's watch Jaws. And she went full bore, you know, themed the whole night we had, fish tacos for dinner <laughs> she made uh she made cocktails that are called blood in the water i was gonna say like, bloody mary's <laughs> and the the tacos were amazing the cocktails were pretty good and th- that's not her fault it's just it's not as great of a drink maybe don't don't make that but uh yeah so i watched jaws for the first time ever and i was a little bit concerned like this is a movie from the 70s it is two hours long and I thought, there is no way this is actually going to be interesting for two hours. And it was. I think the movie holds up. And I don't think that's like some revolutionary take. This movie has like a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. So I, too, have never seen Jaws. Really? I've only seen You've scenes. never seen Jaws? I've never seen wow. the whole movie. Wow. The the only like quote that I was expecting eventually was We're you're gonna, gonna need, need a bigger, bigger boat. boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are other ones that I had heard uh like in other pop culture situations that I didn't realize were from Jaws. You should watch it. Uh it's yeah. not available free anywhere. I we did have to pay to to rent it. Um but Voodoo has it in UHD, so that's what we did. You should you should check it out. It's good. I really do good. want to watch this. This is on a list somewhere. Of course, everybody has everybody, meaning every streaming service has its own list. So who knows what list it's on? But it's on a list somewhere, and at some point in time, I do want to watch it. I, I, yeah, I, it's funny because I remember very distinctly as a kid who used to go down to the beach every single summer and spend a couple weeks down there with my family. One summer where I had a friend that I had like made on the beach because you're like little kids and you get to play with each other because you're, you know, like your beach houses are near the same beach or whatever. And I never understood why this kid wouldn't go in the water. (laughs) And eventually his mother told my mother that, oh, he saw Jaws and he doesn't want to go in the water now. I'm like, Ah, yeah. So yeah, I could see that from that point on as a child, 
I never wanted to see Jaws. Yeah, that's that was a good choice as a child. Now I'm good because I don't go in the water anyway. <laughs> see, I live in the Midwest. When I go in the water, it's in the Great Lakes. We don't have sharks. It's great. You should try it sometime. <laughs> in fact, if you go to any Great Lake beach town, you will find shirts and hats and everything else that say Great Lakes, unsalted and shark free. Two great things about the Great Lakes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the other movie that I saw went to the theaters with a friend and a grand total of four other people on a Wednesday night and saw Nope. And I was, so I've not seen any of his movies. Is it Peel? Yeah, uh, I think the Jordan Peel, name? right? Jordan, yeah, that sounds right. Um, I've not seen any of his movies. I've always heard great things about them. I've always heard that they're scary, plus have some big thing to say about society or culture or whatever. Um, and so I expected that. It It's somewhat scary. <laughs> scary, sort of like... Scary level comparable to like, uh, what's that movie called? The Silent Place, The Silent Something with a mm. uh, dude from The Office. I'm terrible at this tonight. I apologize. Yeah, I also um, didn't see that. Oh, well, that was also really good. So this is not super scary, um, but it's it's interesting and and it's and it's a really good movie. But it doesn't really have that much to say about like society or racism or, you know, stuff like that. It's pretty much just a summer scary movie, popcorn flick. And that's fine. It was good. It was it was really entertaining. It leaves you with at least one big unanswered question, which I'm a little bit annoyed about. Um, but you know, that's the way things go now, I guess. Um yeah, it was good. I would I would recommend checking it out. If you're into scary movies that aren't like super duper scary and it's not gory, so that's good too. Yeah. And not not like riddled with jump scares or anything like that too. There's there's some jump scares, but not like a million of them or anything. It's 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 interesting and fun. Hmm, cool. Check it out. Yeah. All right. So that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center and for what's going on on this week's show. So if you'd like to get a hold of us, we're all over the place. We're on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigiMediaZone. Email, all that other stuff is over in the show notes at www.thedigitalmediazone.com. We've got links to everything that we talked about tonight. And We've also got Richard's other podcast called Home On. What's going on with Home On, Richard? So I recently recorded the episode with my friend Ken Fallor, who is moving into a new home. We talked for like an hour and a half, so I'm doing some editing on this thing. <laughs> I am hoping to get it up before the end of the week, but I can't guarantee that. I will try and get it as soon as I can. Meanwhile, I'm going to do the same thing that I did last time because I think we did another different kind of episode over on the Smart Home Show where we just got back to the basics of Smart Home and answered some basic questions for people who may not be as deeply ingrained in this stuff as Adam and I are. And I think it turned out to be a really good episode. It was. I listened to it this morning. It was good. Or cool, was cool. it yesterday morning? I don't it know. It was probably it, this good. morning. Okay. 
All right. Well, we also do this show live most of the time that we do a show. Uh, it's usually Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. That will not be the case next week. Uh, it will not be on Tuesday next week. It'll probably be Wednesday next week. Uh, but we always tweet about when the show will be live. It's on Twitch. There's a chat room, which makes it even more fun if you part participate in there. You can also subscribe to us on Twitch, and it'll notify you that way, too, when we have gone live. Uh, so hopefully see you back next week, Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, because that's going to do it for episode 596. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.